climate negotiation is laced with deceit, hypocrisy, and lies. And until when we come out of that and speak truth to ourselves, honestly, transparently, and accountable, then otherwise we will continue to languish in this massive impact of climate change. Welcome to Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe in helping one another, calling for justice and caring for creation. Join us this season as we'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with theologians, activists, and some of our incredible members and friends working on the ground. I am your host, Jessica Wally. A warm welcome to yet another episode of the Renew Award podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Wally. And today on the episode, I have someone that uh, you may have heard of this person or read his name somewhere or seen his name or have had an encounter with him as this is one of uh, the people that are really, really, really doing so much, uh, not just for uh, their nation, but also for the continent of Africa. Today, I have uh, Reverend Dr. Les Moore, who is the director of programs for All Africa Conference of Churches, and he's joining me online. I am currently in Zambia and he is currently in Nairobi at the uh at the at this time of the recording of this interview and I'll be with him for the next few minutes to just get to get a little bit up close and personal with him to just get to know more about him and also the works that he's been doing uh especially with SCC. Dr. Les Moray, welcome to today's episode of the podcast and thank you so much for um, joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jessica, for inviting me for this podcast. Thank you so much. So Rev, uh, like I've mentioned, would like to maybe just get a little up close and personal, especially for uh, those that may have never had a chance to just get, you know, to have a one-on-one -on -one with you, they just see you from afar. Could you just share with us who um, Reverend Dr. Les Mori is? Just share with us your story. Who are you? Where are you coming from? And uh, on until today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Quite an interesting question. Uh, and if I am to offer a response to, to the question, you can be sure that time will not be sufficient for us uh, to, to, to describe who I understand myself to be. Uh, but however, uh, just to mention quickly, first and foremost, uh, I am a full-blown Nigerian, uh, proudly Nigerian, and um, I see myself as, a, as an ambassador of, uh, of the nation, and particularly also as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Uh, as a minister. So I am an ordained minister of the Lutheran Church of Christ in Nigeria and uh, happily married. I started my journey of uh, ecumenical engagement way back uh, when I was also with the Boys Brigade and uh, growing up in that, I found myself also with the YMCA, uh, both as a volunteer and eventually as a staff and continued with my engagement with the Christian councils, uh, to, to the regional bodies, to the continental body, to the 
a global global body at different uh, spaces uh, of ecumenical engagement and uh, also with special interest again in uh, interreligious cooperation and, and dialogue uh, i had an opportunity to serve with an continental organization that uh, sought to uh, facilitate interaction between Christians and Muslims in the continent for peace and peaceful coexistence, uh, recognizing that these two monotheistic religions are the major religions in the continent and living together as adherents of these two religions remains very critical. And uh, so uh, here I am now uh, with the All-Africa Conference of Churches. I started work here um, in September 19, uh, 2019. Uh, and since then, I, I have been here uh, engaging with different stakeholders within the constituency of AACC and beyond, with intergovernmental agencies, with multilateral agencies. And, and, and many other development partners, including Tier Fund, uh, Council for World Mission, WCRC, WCC, and many others. And uh, this has continued to shape my engagement going forward. I am happily married to Rhoda, and we are blessed with many, many children around the continent. But uh, biologically, we have uh, three who are here uh, with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Reverend. And you have actually shared being the current director of programs for uh, AACC, that's Africa Conference of Churches or Africa uh, Conference of Churches. Would you just share with us, uh, just in case someone is hearing it for the very first time, or just maybe for those that would like to just get more details, what is AACC and what exactly um, does AACC do? Uh, AACC is what we will describe the mainstream ecumenical organization uh, for the continent, uh, majorly drawing membership from the Protestant churches, the Reformed churches, the Orthodox churches, the African Institute churches, and councils of churches from different uh, countries uh, are members of the All-Africa Conference of Churches. We are spread in where we can say with active membership in 43 African countries. The AACC actually was conceived in, in Nigeria, in Ibadan, in a conference of all Christian churches conference that was held in 1958 and during then that was when an agreement was reached to establish a continental body so the conception was done then and later on it moved uh, it was delivered or born um, in Kampala uh, in 1963 uh, during the first assembly that was held in Kampala, Uganda. And so that was where AACC was formally uh, born. And from there, of course, the secretariat uh, was still hovering uh, without a permanent place. Uh, but eventually it was decided that the Mindolo Ecumenical Foundation 
Kitwe, Zambia, uh, would serve as the coordinating secretariat while negotiations have been done to secure a place uh, where it will be permanently located. Uh, it was since then, um, it was there until 1973 when negotiations were concluded by the churches and government of Kenya. And so the secretariat was moved from Zambia to Nairobi, uh, 1973. And since then, the secretariat has been here coordinating different thematic areas of engagement, accompanying member churches and exploring partnership and cooperation with uh, state and non-state actors uh, for peace and peaceful coexistence and for the well-being of the continent. And that is why our vision is very clear. Churches together in Africa for peace, justice, dignity of the human being. So these are very important uh, component of what AACC do. So we are dry, we are driven by this uh, vision uh, of our engagement with churches, with uh, councils of churches, and with other organizations that are committed to the cause of uh, the well-being of the continent of Africa. And so AACC um, has been uh, committed in this, in this course. Um, our secretariat is um, structured uh, in, in, in three folds in, in a way where you have the, 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 main, the, the main headquarters here in Nairobi uh, where the general secretary, the director of finance and admin and the director of programs are resident. And we have also the, the office that relates with the African Union, we call it our African Union Liaison and Advocacy Office in Addis Ababa, where we have uh, accreditation with the African Union and diplomatic status with the government of Ethiopia. And we also have a regional office in Lome, Togo, uh, where it coordinates majorly activities in the Francophone region of Africa. So this is AACC in brief, but of course we have so many other things that we can share about. Um, Jessica. Okay. No, thank you so much, Reverend, for just sharing that information with us, at least now, um, you know, just for the sake of those that may have not really understood what AACC does. I think this is really a great opportunity, what you've shared. Now, Reverend, you, you work with a lot of churches, you know, like, like a lot of churches in Africa. I would like to get your personal perspective. Um, how you're seeing the African change growing from where you're standing how does it look like um, and where what lessons are there that we can draw um, Jessica thank you for such a good question I, I'm sure in current conversation that is going on regarding religious demography uh, it has been generally acclaimed that uh, Africa, of course, normally we talk about the global south, that now Africa has become the center of gravity of Christianity. And, and, and so, so it is also when we look at it from the notion of global north and global south. So the global south uh, from religious demography 
uh, clearly shows that um, the global south is now in the center of gravity when you talk about uh, uh, the uh, profession of Christianity. And, and, and so the churches also in Africa uh, exponentially have been growing. Uh, so we, we see in terms of numerical growth, the churches in Africa are growing. And, and, and so the, the question that again we need to wrestle with is the, the effect that this growth is having in our socio-political and economic life in the continent of Africa. The question again would be whether the churches are doing what they are expected to do to ensure that life is, is transformed, and not only spiritually, but that socio-politically and economically human lives have been transformed. Now, we are witnessing the, the upsurge of issues of misleading theologies where religious texts, religious resources are being instrumentalized to oppress, to manipulate, to, to destroy even lives in the name of religion. So it, it, it baffles us, it disturbs us when when we see such things are happening yet in the midst of exponential growth, exponential growth of the churches in the continent. Yes, we have seen where churches have come together and, and spoke uh, jointly, collectively, for example, during the apartheid regime in, in South Africa, the churches came together and pronounced that apartheid was, was you can say a heresy and it is heretic it is it is a sin and 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 by that decisions that the churches made to to declare apartheid as sin as heretic uh, that led to the fall the demolition of apartheid so we have seen situation where churches came together spoke collectively enjoyed and this probably is what we are missing in some parts of the continent, where probably you can say uh, churches, wh what I mean here when I say churches, I mean representatives of the churches. The, the church leaders have a responsibility. So we are not in any way talking about the church as, as a building, but we're looking at individuals who embody responsibility within the ecclesial community. And so we are confronted with this question of whether those who are supposed to be representatives of these various shades of Christian expression in the continent are doing their prophetic role, or whether they have compromised, whether they have been co-opted, whether they have entered into an unholy relationship with those in power, and so they are unable to speak truth to power. Now this is the this is this is our challenge. This is the dilemma that uh, we are confronted with in the continent. But however, numerically we can say the church is growing. Now the quality of the growth that enables those with responsibility within the church to challenge forces and structures that oppressed people, that exclude and discriminate against other people, whether the churches 
have the muscle, the stamina to confront such forces and structures and systems that oppress, uh, that are unjust to many people who reside in the continent of Africa. Wow. Uh, wow. Reverend, I think that is really profound because uh, to me, as you were speaking, I'm, I'm beginning to uh, just remind myself of how, especially in our African context how people really listen so much to their church leaders and if we were to have or to continue or to build uh church leaders that really like you've mentioned they are really uh doing justice for their people they are really you know standing up and just uh being being in the forefront of really uh making sure that everyone's well-being is is taking care of it may be a stretch yeah but they're speaking truth to power like you've mentioned i'm i'm trying to imagine of how an amazing environment you can create just like other countries rave i'm sure you're aware where they because of the mushrooming of churches here and there they've actually gone uh beyond to just make sure that they shut down certain churches that are no or or buildings i don't know i can even put it that you know are misleading misleading the 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 people so i'm i'm really glad that you've had to bring the truth in that in as much as definitely we have church leaders that are doing so much to just you know uh uphold africa for what it's known for and still we have those that are trying to really be uh greedy and just mislead the masses unfortunately i'm just glad that you had to 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 bring that out because that's the reality in a lot of countries in africa yeah correct you're right thank you for that uh, synopsis um Reverend, uh still talking to think about about uh churches because definitely i understand you work with a lot of churches there's a narrative of africa africa as a continent we there are different narratives out there uh, you know, a lot of people ask, we have a lot of resources in different countries, but what's wrong? Where are we going wrong? Why, what, 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 where are we missing it? You know, uh, different narratives out there. What do you think you personally, uh, Reverend, if we talk about the abundancy that Africa holds, what would be your, um, your, your view on this, especially, uh, I think in connection, I understand AACC has a really good relationship with Abandoned Africa that is part of Tier Fund that pushes for an Abandoned Africa economy that is inspired by African principles and Bible, uh, you know, values. Where do you stand on this? What would be your view? What's the narrative that Africans should be able to take out there about what Africa is really all about? Uh, good question, uh, uh, Jessica. Thank you very much for, for lifting up that. Uh, because as AACC, that was why we were inspired to be part of the initiative of uh, uh, Abundant uh, Africa. Uh, this is a recognition of the fact that Africa is tremendously blessed with natural resources and indeed also human resources. Uh, but <clears throat> what has always been our challenge is the, uh, the, the, the spirit of greed, uh, the demon. I shouldn't even say even a spirit, but, but, but to describe it as a demon, the demon of greed, uh, the, this penchant, penchant of, of our leaders to, to accumulate even unnecessary wealth 
at the expense, at the detriment of the people. And we have seen where even religious leaders have been co-opted. They have, they have fallen into the trap of the conspiracy of silence. Now, instead of speaking truth, speaking out against this demon of greed that we have seen, we have gone ahead to tolerate where we have seen churches, communities in the continent, ethnic groups in the continent are owning thieves. So you would realize that someone is said to be part of a mafia group that have been exploiting, exploring, and, and, and stealing from the resources of the continent, of his own country. Yet his ethnic group, his church denomination will want to own him. We want to protect him and say, oh, this is our own. Why is he being harassed by, by, by government agencies that are responsible for anti-graft or anti-corruption commission? Now, this is the challenge. This is the, the hypocrisy that I see happening in our continent. Actually, the continent of Africa is not to be characterized by disease, by poverty, by hunger, by all sorts of negative antecedents. No, the continent of Africa is tremendously, immensely blessed with resources enough to take care of us but not enough for the greed of the few. But of course, that is where I always raised a challenge, a question around the economic system, the neoliberal economic system that is given oxygen by capitalist philosophy. You know, so this, this, is, this is the challenge that we are faced with. Otherwise, why should we be bothered about knowing who is the richest man in Africa or who is the richest man in Kenya or who is the richest man in Nigeria or who is the richest man in Zambia or South Africa? No, we should, we should not bother about knowing who is the richest man if prosperity is shared in the continent of Africa. But that is not the case. And that is why people see political appointment as an opportunity to access resources and access it and destroy things wantonly. Now, Jessica, this is my worry. This is my headache. That Africa is massively blessed, but yet in the midst of these tremendous resources, people are languishing in suffering, in pains, in hunger, poverty, abject poverty in the midst of plenty what is what is wrong with, with with us in the continent of africa and that is why there is a new scramble for the continent of africa because our political elites those with responsibility have failed they have stolen our common wealth a common wealth that we are supposed to all share in it that prosperity will be a shared prosperity. But that is not the case in our continent because those with privileged authority have abused it to amass wealth, the common wealth of the people. So now this is, this is the continent. And now we are putting up the narrative 
from even the Abundant Africa Initiative and the, the Congress that we have just had, uh, the, the All-Africa Youth Congress that we have just had in, in, in Ghana with the slogan, Africa, my home, my future. It is to reignite, to rewrite a narrative that we have everything in Africa and Africa can be the best place for everyone, particularly our young people. Even when you look at it into the Agenda 2063, the Africa we want, the African Union Agenda 2063 that was launched in 2013. Now, I don't see serious commitment on the part of those with political power, where certain flagship projects of the Agenda 2063, for example, we say by 2020, there will be silence in the guns. By 2017, 2018, the African passport will be available, the African continental free trade area, and many other initiatives. Are they really working? No, the political will is not there. We are suspicious of each other. The spirit of Ubuntu has disappeared. The philosophy and cosmolo co uh, cos cosmological ideology of I am because you are, and you are therefore I am. So my very existence is contingent on your own existence, and your existence is also contingent on mine. Where has this gone to? So we need... We need to reignite. We need to reincarnate this philosophy of Ubuntu that we may recognize, embrace each other, love each other, and whoever that is given a privilege to serve the people at whichever position in government, the person should do it selflessly for the common good. Let me stop here, Jessica, because... Uh, <laughs> I hear you, Reverend. I hear you. And I know uh, a lot of people may definitely be sharing your sentiments, but I just really love the aspect where you have, I think you've thrown in a recommendation there without really saying it. You know, if really we can still go back to Ubuntu, it can be a whole different narrative, it can be a whole different story because I'm thinking, I have not eaten. Uh, but uh, has my next neighbor eaten or I am eating as my next neighbor eaten if obviously that's what well, that's what we're known for you know uh, I think growing up for me Reverend let me just put this in growing up for me you know it's it's I think it was rare to actually see like people some people not having food in the community because there's always you know that you can always go and knock on the neighbor's door and say I'm asking for salt I'm asking for this and you'll get it but maybe that might not be the story anymore this time around you know it's like I I, I have my things I'm good I'm fine I don't know about the other person then life must go on so thank you so much reverend for 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 bringing that up definitely those frustrations i know a lot of people may be uh, uh resonating with and also that recommendation really timely thank you so much and reverend you were as you were speaking you you pointed out a lot of times about the young people uh in in the continent and i know you work with a lot of young people uh you you work in a lot of circles that bring out issues of climate uh, and and so on i would like to find out uh in these circles that you sit in you speak to all these these conversations that you get to have or get to see where where are you right now if we talk about climate issues what are your fears how does africa look like what what steps can we take in the right direction to just try and save our continent 
thank you, Jessica, for, for such a timely question. Um, yes, you are absolutely right. I am passionate about the issues relating to climate justice uh, in, our, in our continent and beyond. Uh, in whatever space I find myself, I try to, uh, to raise uh, some uh, issues uh, based on uh, knowledge and, uh, and experience uh, regarding the impact of, of climate change. And especially as religious people, uh, we always would would, would express that um, we are the first respondents when it comes to uh, catastrophes associated to climate change. Uh, people would always rush to uh, worship centers for rescue, for refuge. And, and so as religious people, we are required to provide sanctuary for those who are impacted by, uh, the, uh, by, the, by, by climate change. Now, um, I, I have had several reservations. Uh, we have a slogan uh, in AACC when it comes to uh, issues relating to climate change, issues relating to climate justice, uh, ecological stewardship. Uh, the, the slogan is, the welfare of the earth is our welfare. Now, this is very important. The point is this. Uh, how we are able to take care of the earth, the earth will also take care of us. Recognizing that we worship the creator who in, in such a unique and fine way um, placed each one of us and all creation uh, to function differently but contributing to the well-being, the ecosystem as, as it is. So we all belong to this ecosystem. And we collectively have a responsibility in ensuring that the ecosystem functions for our common good, for our good collectively. So, and that is where we talk about the welfare of the earth. It's our welfare. So if we take care of the earth, the earth would also take care of us. As so many um, environmentalist uh, activists and all of that would, would always say. Um, we were excited when we hear about a global global fund for for climate change where you talk about uh, climate uh, adaptation fund or you talk about loss and damage fund uh, the commitment that was done in the Par paris agreement uh, uh, for a contribution of 100 billion dollars annually but you can see it is all but a mirage of course the monies were not raised. This is all because of lack of truthfulness, lack of honesty and integrity on the part of those with responsibility. And particularly those who are coming from the industrialized nations, the big pollutants, they are not honest. They are not honest. Otherwise, there was a commitment that $100 billion be committed annually towards addressing loss and damage. Here, Africa is emitting less. We emit less, less than 4% of the global emission, but we bear the brunt of the impact of climate change. So what is it? Why the dishonesty? Why the hypocrisy? Why the deceit? Why the lack of, tr of truth in, in, in the negotiations? And yet, even our governments in Africa, 
who receive grants to mitigate, to adapt, to put in place climate resilience initiative. These funds disappear into the hands of individuals, corruption. And, and, and so I am always motivated and inspired, even as a preacher of the word and a believer. I say, let us always be reminded by John chapter 10, verse 10, that said the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that I may give life and give it to its fullness. The question is, all of us that are involved in climate justice action, are we honest? Are we givers of life? Or we are thieves who come to kill, to steal, and to destroy? And that is what is happening. The, 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 the ozone layer is being destroyed. We are talking about a commitment to ensure that the global mean temperature goes, does not exceed 1.5. But today, that is not the reality. And something new has been introduced and been brandished to African governments, what you call the carbon market or the carbon trade or the carbon credit. Now it's been brandished as a way of getting African government to buy into it so that our rainforest, so that our wetlands are now used as carbon sink. We must reject that until we see things that are clearly discussed. Things are brought to the table. Otherwise, I see deceit in this. Because how can you make a sense of this, Jessica? That a, a country that is emitting gas into the atmosphere is unable to meet the target of reducing its emission, but can now collect this carbon and export it to Africa, and Africa will receive it in the forest or in the wetland or in the, in the, in, in the highlands and all of that. Is it not also going to have an impact on our environment? This for me is the seed. But now this is what is being brandished to our government in Africa. And now they are saying, oh, this is a market. And you know, I am suspicious of anything market. Because the moment you say credit carbon market, you are already saying it is driven by profit. And therefore, if it is driven by profit, they don't care who is going to be impacted by it, all they are after is profit. So climate negotiation is laced with deceit, hypocrisy, and lies. And until when we come out of that and speak truth to ourselves, honestly, transparently, and accountable, then otherwise we will continue to languish in this massive impact of climate change. Reverend, as we conclude, I would like to know what words you'd have for especially young activists. We have a lot of young activists out there that are trying so hard to just, you know, uh, um, champion, maybe let's say, you know, climate justice, human rights, uh, you know, issues and so on. What would be your word of advice to the uh, young activists out there that are just playing their role in order to just see a better and good eth um, tomorrow. My parting shot for them and uh, would be stay focused, refuse to be co-opted and to be compromised.
reject consumerism, reject anything that will suggest to you that material acquisition is the answer. Stay focused, be inspired, be motivated. You will not be applauded, but someday you will certainly be applauded. I thank you. Thank you so much, Reverend. Reverend, I, once again, I'm grateful that you could accord us your time and also to just have this uh, conversation today. Thank you also just for all the information that you've just uh, shared with each, with each one of us today. Really, really, really insightful. And we are just so grateful. Really appreciate Reverend. And thank you for the work that you're actually doing with uh, ASCC. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Definitely. Thank you so much. So here ends our today's episode of the Renew Award podcast. And uh, today I was having a conversation with uh, Reverend Dr. Les More, who is the director of programs for All Africa Conference of Churches. And uh, we have been having this conversation online. I'm currently in Zambia. He's in Nairobi. And he's just shared quite a number of things. And I know uh, they have been uh, very uh, uh, insightful and enriching to a lot of you that have been listening. So until our next episode of the Renew Award podcast, have yourselves a blessed, blessed day wherever you are hearing my voice from. And God bless you. It's bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to Renew Our World podcast. Be sure to visit our website at renewourworld.net. And if you love this episode, subscribe and learn more about Renew Our World campaign and some of what our members and friends are doing. Until next time, remember, you are God's child, made in His image, so smile. <laughs>